Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for season nine. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today. Welcome to More Than Amused Podcast, a podcast all about women and the arts, hosted by Stani and Sadie. Join us as we explore what it's like being a female artist, examine modern day problems, and educate ourselves and you on important and forgotten female artists of the past. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to More Than Amused. I'm Stani. And I am Sadie. And welcome. Thank you for being here. Today we're talking about Shakespeare. Shakespeare, which is kind of funny because I was going to say like Shakespeare's not a woman, but that's kind of the question we're posing. I know, exactly. <laughs> I feel like maybe when this original article came out that we're going to talk about, so it was in like 2019, I believe. Yes. I heard this conspiracy theory or whatever, like years ago. Mm -hmm. And I think I even like ended up watching like some kind of show about it, like a documentary or like mm. something. And I was trying to find it again and I couldn't, but I found these articles. So, but it's just kind of surrounding the whole concept of the fact that we don't know for certain it's who actually authored some of the yeah, yeah, all of the Shakespearean plays, the best known plays of all time. Probably, I would yeah. say, yeah, like <laughs> most of like you know popular storytelling. How many movies or things do we realize is actually just the reworking of a Shakespeare play? You know, they're yeah, very common, and they end up being some of my favorites. Yes, too. like Ten Things I Hate About You She's is the, the Taming of the Shrew. She's the Man is Twelfth Night, right? I think yeah. so. Yeah. It's just fun to see like literary classics come to life in a new way. Mm -hmm. And it definitely shows that like the plot lines and characters like stand to the test of time. The universal, for yeah. Sure. <laughs> also, I realized that Shakespeare, I mean, we've talked about it before, but plays a fun role in our own friendship because our oh, junior yeah. year of high school, we got put together, or I don't know if we put ourselves together. I can't remember. I don't remember how it happened. But we did a scene from Othello? I think so. It was Desdemona. Was yes. It? Was it Desdemona? I, I believe so. Yes. Were you like my lady's maid or something? I was. And you had to like brush my hair. And <laughs> it was very nice. <laughs> but yes, we did a scene together in our advanced theater class for Shakespeare. Yeah. Night. And it was a fun scene. We yeah. didn't get chosen to go to the Shakespeare Festival, but we but had a lot of fun doing we it. Did? So. Oh, because too, there's like a song in it. And we had to like yeah. figure out what the melody would be. And I swear it changed like every time. I'm sure. <laughs> but we rolled with it and it worked out really well. It did. It was fun. I wish we could it find a picture fun. of that night. I've I know. gone through all of my Facebook tagged pictures and there's nothing. But that's okay. It was yeah. still great fun. It was way fun. So yeah. I forgot about that. So, I mean, his plays continue to be performed around the world. I mean, yeah. They're incredible and i mean <laughs> even with hamlet like the lion king you know yeah did you have to read shakespeare in junior high i think so or at least in high okay. school i mean we read romeo and juliet but i also yeah. remember i read macbeth at one point okay too. yeah i think those are the ones we read too i remember reading romeo and juliet for sure mm -hmm. and then i went to an art school too so we actually oh, yeah. all got assigned roles every day in english class and we had to read it out loud Ooh, fun um yeah it was actually really fun uh -huh. i very much so enjoyed it and then i think we read macbeth the next year but mm -hmm. it definitely like shakespeare is a fundamental part of like the arts of education yeah of, theater like we did the spring of junior year i was in as you like it and oh yeah we did that. it like set in the 60s and mm -hmm. so like the people in the forest were like part of like some like hippie commune and i got to play my <laughs> guitar and like oh yeah i'm remembering like he had me play like simon and garfunkel sound of silence and like play and sing the songs from the 60s but everyone was speaking you know and saying shakespeare yeah. it was it was a really fun show to be a part of that was so fun i love that well cool should we <laughs> decide if shakespeare was in <laughs> fact a woman or not <laughs> yes we definitely should 
at the beginning, I just want to shout out, there is a conspiracy theories podcast by Parcast. Mm-hmm. And they have a part one and two episode on who was Shakespeare. We're not going to be talking about the men that are suspected to have been Shakespeare in this episode, because most of the time when people are like, who was Shakespeare? Maybe it wasn't like William Shakespeare from Stratford-upon-Avon. Maybe it was these other people. Mm-hmm. It always tends to be other men, men yes, that they're suspecting. So if you want to hear about like that whole thing and just like the controversy and everything that goes into like debating Shakespeare's identity those episodes are actually really no it was cool I listened to most of part one today and I was Mm -hmm. like oh dang it's almost to the point where I'm like there's no way Shakespeare was who he you know (laughs) was Shakespeare but I mean maybe I don't know it'd be yeah I don't know what's cooler if Shakespeare was actually Shakespeare or if it was someone else you know I know I can't figure it out either so I guess all of our listeners are gonna have to let us know what they think I know and then, yeah maybe we can come to a general consensus on what more than a muse thinks thinks <laughs> Shakespeare was Shakespeare <laughs> who he said he was and then part two was he actually a she we'll find out for the state of the arts I feel like let's talk about kind of like why people don't think Shakespeare is Shakespeare. Well, actually, maybe first, what is the article that we're referencing? That's probably a good thing that we should reference first. Okay, so the first article that kind of came up, it went viral. A lot of people got really, really mad about it, actually. (laughs) Uh, Like a lot of people got really, really mad about it and actually started like sending hate mail to the Atlantic and to this poor author. Oh, my gosh. I don't think it was that deserving of hatred. But anyway, it's an article by The Atlantic called Was Shakespeare a Woman by Elizabeth Winkler. It came out in June of 2019. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of pulled, you know, the controversy of his identity back to the forefront and thought, huh, maybe he could have been a she. Yeah. And maybe it could have been this famous poet. Which was interesting. And To touch on some of the reasons why people, just in general, so this isn't necessarily speaking to if it was a woman or not, but one reason why maybe they think that perhaps he wasn't who he said he was, was just because of the fact that there isn't really any proof that he Mm -hmm. was a writer. This quote from the article was, Shakespeare's life is remarkably well documented by the standards of the period, yet no records from his lifetime identify him as a writer. The more than 70 documents that exist show him as an actor, a shareholder in a theater company, a moneylender, and a property investor. They show that he dodged taxes, was fined for hoarding grain during a shortage, pursued petty lawsuits and was subject to a restraining order. Wow, what a guy. (laughs) The profile is remarkably coherent, adding up to the mercenary impresario of the Renaissance entertainment industry. But what's missing is any sign that he wrote, which is interesting. I mean, and that's not to say that like a money lender tax evader couldn't like also write. Yeah, but it's just it's weird that we have so many records of his lifetime and yet we don't have any like early manuscripts. Mm-hmm. We don't have any like payments sent his way for, you know, his work. Yeah. Like there's no documents proving that he actually wrote anything. Yeah. Oh, you want to <laughs> yeah. say that quote? It's, it's amazing. There's, yeah. It's from the podcast, the podcast podcast. I don't know where they got it from, but they said there's a quote that says, if writing was a crime, there's not enough evidence to convict William of Stratford-upon-Avon. I love that. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the man we all know is William Shakespeare, the man whose portrait we have. We don't have enough evidence to say that he's actually the one who wrote all of the works that he's credited with. <laughs> yeah. The article also kind of brings up the fact that there's a lot of famous writers who mm-hmm. also agree that it probably wasn't him, including, you know, Walt Whitman, Mark Twain, Henry James, Sigmund Freud, like pretty big names in arts. I think Mark Twain even wrote like an essay about it just because he felt so passionate about the fact that like he did not believe that Shakespeare was the one who did any of this. (laughs) Another thing that gets brought up is the fact that like, how did this man acquire such a wide ranging knowledge that Mm -hmm. you obviously need for these plays? Like of the Elizabethan court, 
multiple language, law, astronomy, music, because there's so many just musical instruments that you would obviously have to have a basic knowledge of. The military, foreign lands, Italian cities, like not even just the fact that obviously it takes an amazing amount of like knowledge and talent to write. Mm -hmm. And you probably have to be, you know, decently educated to do that. But you'd have to just know so much. But there just wasn't any like circumstantial evidence that he would be in a position to learn those things. And also, I think that he wasn't really educated past the age of 13. No. So he was able to go to like a really good school for the first couple of years of his life because of his father's court position. But after his father left the court, he was not allowed to go to that school anymore. And they weren't destitute, but his family was very decidedly like middle class. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't, he wouldn't have had like the level of expertise in all these areas that you would expect from an author like that. That's not to say that like he didn't, I don't know, learn that some other way, like talk to people or like, you know, like people can do incredible things, obviously, but like, there's just no evidence that he ever even left England. Yeah. Um. (laughs) Well, the thing they're like, well, maybe he traveled or joined the army or worked as a tutor, but like, there's just no proof that he did any of those things. Mm -hmm. And what I was wondering too, is like, maybe, I don't know, like these stories were passed down orally, you know, from generations that it was like actually pretty well known in the vernacular, you know, like maybe, yeah. (laughs) but I doubt like so many details like that. I don't know. I don't know. It's also kind of interesting because like Shakespearean plays were very monumental, even for their time. Mm -hmm. Like people weren't writing plays like this tragedies and comedies I think there was only one other playwright that came before Shakespeare that was kind of following that method Mm. and we know like Shakespeare he has his tragedies his comedies and his histories yes before that people wrote plays mainly about like morals like Aesop's Mm. fables kind of things you know like the turtle and the hare like teaching lessons or I can't remember what the other one was, but like people didn't follow the formats that Shakespeare plays ended up following later. So he didn't just like write phenomenal plays. He like changed the way that plays were plays written were and like popularized how they were formatted. Another thing that I thought was really interesting is it talked about his will because there is mm. a document that exists. So he was very wealthy. I mean, his plays made yes. him quite wealthy. By the end of his life, like he was ridiculously wealthy. Yes. But he was, I think it's he's famous for like leaving his wife like his second best bed. I've, <laughs> I've heard behind that. But <laughs> what was interesting is he left behind not a single book, though the plays draw on like hundreds of texts, including some that were like in Italian and French that hadn't yet been translated into English. He didn't leave any musical instruments. Though the plays use at least like so many different musical terms mm-hmm. and apparently referred to 26 musical instruments. He remembered three actor owners in his company, but no one in the literary profession. And then he made no mention of manuscripts or writing in his will at all. And then something else is he appears to have neglected his daughter's education, which is just like inconsistent with like mm-hmm. so many of his female characters. I want to talk about that too, of like the fact that the way he writes his female characters, he he was so progressive. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? And I never had really thought about that or really viewed Shakespeare's characters or plays as like very feministic. But like a lot of these women in the plays are either take control and are very powerful women characters or like express a lot of discontentment in their society and like Mm -hmm. from their like with their husbands and like with their role as a woman and it's like wow either he was so empathetic or I don't know maybe he talked to some women I don't know (laughs) (laughs) I did see one argument that like brought up the taming of the shrew and Mm -hmm. how like misogynistic it is and how like it's weird that you have that play coming from the same man who wrote like some of the most compelling female friendships and characters and relationships. Yeah. But I almost wondered like, are we all taking the taming of the shrew too seriously? Like it made me start thinking about that play in the context of all of his other works and how at the end of the day, like it can kind of be like a very feminist thing. If except for like the ending but you know what I mean but I but I feel like kind of because it's like a Mm strong-willed character I don't know yeah I I agree like within the context of maybe the entire catalogs of his work one 
play or one story doesn't negate the fact that like eh, there's a lot of pretty powerful women mm-hmm. in this. I want to read a little part of this. So Beatrice and Much Ado About Nothing raging at the limitations of her sex, quote, oh God, that I were a man, I would eat his heart in the marketplace. Rosalind and As You Like It, affecting the swagger of masculine confidence to escape these limitations, um, quote, will have a swashing and a marshal outside as many other mannish cowards have that do outface it with their semblances. Isabella in the measure for measure, fearing no one will believe her against Angelo's rapist, against her mm-hmm. rape. To whom should I complain? Did I tell this? Who would believe me? Kate in The Taming of the Shrew does at first refuse to be silenced by her husband and says, my tongue will tell the anger of my heart or else my heart concealing it will break. And then Amelia in one of her last speeches in Othello before Iago kills her, arguing for women's equality basically, says let husbands know their wives have senses like them. And then also it talks about the fact that like there's a lot of really strong female friendships in these plays i love this quote that said why was shakespeare able to see the woman's position right entirely as if he were a woman in a way that none of the other playwrights of the age were able to and mm-hmm. i like this another quote from margaret cavendish which was a 17th century philosopher and playwright said one would think that he had been metamorphosed from a man to a woman yes i also love this part the critic john ruskin said shakespeare has no heroes he has only heroines yeah and then brought up the fact that within his plays at least 10 of his heroines defy their fathers bucking betrothals they don't like to find their own paths to love eight disguise themselves as men Mm -hmm. outwitting patriarchal controls there's more gender swapping than can be found in the work of any previous english playwright which is very fitting yeah (laughs) i mean (laughs) i don't think that was like a common thing before then a six of his heroines lead armies which i mean you look back at 16th century england i don't think many men were like oh yeah let's put the woman in charge of the army even in a fictional work Uh uh-huh and then also like it just kind of brings up the fact that during like 15th and 16th century England, women weren't allowed to write. Mm -hmm. But as we've seen through like our podcast episodes, that doesn't mean that women weren't writing. I love the quote, like anonymous is a woman. Yeah. Um, And there's actually like a ton of statistics for it. There was another article that was written in response to the main one by Phyllis Rackin, who is a professor at the University of Pennsylvania. And she just wrote about like the women writers of the Elizabethan theater Mm -hmm. (laughs) and how they were hidden. Just talking about how like the absence of women from the list of known commercial playwrights in Shakespeare's England does not mean that no English woman had a hand in writing for the public stage only that their names may be difficult or impossible to retrieve. Yeah. That is in part because most of the plays we have from the first commercial theaters came down to us without the names of their authors, Mm -hmm. which is another point. It wasn't common during the time to sign your work. Oh, so regardless Um, of if it was a man or woman. Mm -hmm. As a playwright, like you just kind of, it was seen as like a tool. So you just like sold your script off to a theater company and you didn't really like, worry about crediting yourself that ended up kind of coming later and so a lot of plays didn't even have authors and then i love that she says the assumption that every one of the unnamed authors was a man is simply that an assumption yeah so it's just like how history always assumes that if we don't know who it was then it was some unnamed man yeah (laughs) when yeah in reality like we have no idea it could have been Anyone. I did see a statistic that said that 80% of the plays printed in the 1580s were written anonymously, and that number didn't fall below 50% until the early 1600s. Mm-hmm. So, And I mean, continuing into the 19th century, even you have the Bronte sisters, George yeah. Eliot, Jane Austen, like so many people that were still writing under pseudonyms or as anonymous authors in order to conceal their gender because it wasn't considered a proper practice for a woman of a higher standing to write anything like yeah yeah, and books were even considered like more appropriate than theater so I can't even imagine like a female author of stage plays like she's definitely gonna hide her identity yeah absolutely I think that's a good point it's not like this is a brand new thing that only has happened here you know Mm -hmm. of this whole like women writing anonymously it happened hundreds of years after this happened before you know so it's not so atrocious to maybe if we're willing to dispute that Shakespeare 
was who history has defined him as if we're willing to dispute that but then we're gonna freak out if we're gonna (laughs) suggest that a woman could have written it like okay or maybe we're just being sexist now i don't know (laughs) i agree like even virginia wolf she has a quote that says undoubtedly i thought looking at the shelf where there are no pleas by women her work would have gone unsigned because yeah it's just unrealistic to assume that like even back then in 16th century England that no woman ever like picked up a pen and wrote a play. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, we have Afra, Afra Bain or Afra Ben. Yeah. We have done an episode on. Shout out to her. Mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly. I'm pretty sure she was in the 1600s. Let me just triple check. Yeah, she was born in 1640. So just like after, after this time period, but like mm-hmm. still within this roughly, but well, do we want to talk about who this article thinks yes, Shakespeare could have um, been, her hypothesis? <laughs> yeah. I'm really actually excited that we're talking about her because now I want to learn a lot more That's about this person. I was going to say is like, we at least know yeah. she was real and was a poet herself. So she existed regardless of whether or not we give her credit for Shakespeare's works. Yes. She's still was an incredible artist of her own right within a time period that was very difficult to be a woman. (laughs) So it's pointed in the article that like not concrete, obviously, because nothing can be concrete, but just that there's a possibility that the author of Shakespeare's works could have been a woman by the name of Amelia Bassano. She was born Amelia Lanier in 1569, it's believed. And she was the first woman, I think a first English woman, to assert herself as a professional poet through her volume. I'm not even going to try to say it in <laughs> Latin, but it's Hail God, King of the Jews in 1611. I mean, yeah. that's already something very significant that, like you mm-hmm. said, makes me want to learn more about her. Yeah. What's also really cool is that after she published her book, there's a lot of like feminist in it like a lot of feminism like all of the dedications of the poems are to women the title poem Saldurex Jadorum is about the crucifixion of Christ but it's written from a woman's point of view and her poems advocate and praise female virtue and Christian piety but reflect a desire for an idealized classless world Mm. so if you look at her work through a feminist lens like it's definitely all there she definitely believed in the rights of the women around her Yeah. And something that I thought was interesting, too, is that it's been speculated that she was Shakespeare's mistress, the, Mm -hmm. quote, dark lady described in the sonnets. I mean, granted, I think I've read that like scholars don't necessarily agree with that. But there there was even a playwright um, and Amelia, the playwright Morgan Lloyd Malcolm goes a step further. And her Shakespeare is a plagiarist who uses Bassano's words for Amelia's famous defense of women in Othello. So interesting. I thought that was interesting yeah. that like even before this article, like there were people that were kind of like, no, they definitely had a close relationship. And, you know maybe he had used that before possibly mm-hmm. yeah there was even there's a book about it actually it's yeah. called shakespeare's dark lady amelia bassano lanier the woman behind shakespeare's plays it was published in 2014 by john hudson yeah and he actually had a degree from the shakespeare institute and kind of investigated a lot into her. And even if she wasn't like the author of Shakespearean works, I think it was proven at some point that she did like had some sort of contact with Mm -hmm. the man, William Shakespeare. And so if he is the true author, then it's believed that she could have been a major influence. Yeah. And almost like a person that he could go to, to like almost like verify information. Especially because like, I think I have it in here, but like the name Amelia was not super common like it had never shown up in a play but he had it everywhere in his plays it was one of his most common names I think besides Judith or no what was it Catherine Catherine yeah I think so yeah besides Catherine Amelia is like the most common name in Shakespearean plays and it was not like a super common name Mm. for everyone to use Mm -hmm. so it just I don't know. It feels like there's a little touch of her there in some way. Yeah. And also like she had knowledge of the court. Her family had Italian heritage. She also had Jewish heritage, it's believed. And there's a lot of Jewish illusions. Um, She also, her family studied music. There's just like a lot of things that kind of touch on how she 
could have been one of the major influences of his work or perhaps or perhaps the author the author yeah because that's what like i remember reading of like in her own life there's kind of traces of what happens in the plays like so in all's well that ends well there's like a lowborn girl lives with a countess and a general and then when bassano's father died she at age seven was taken in by susan birdie who was a countess of kent Mm -hmm. and then she was at one point like exiled from court at age 23 not exiled but like i can't remember what the word is but she was removed from court when she was 23 got married had a baby but she was later employed in a noble household probably as some type of music tutor and then roughly Mm. a decade later after that apparently opened some type of school so like she was obviously very very well educated um yeah and then like you mentioned as far as italy like whether she went with family members to italy is unknown but there is definitely a link in her family and i can't i should have written down exactly what it was but it's almost like like she definitely got the geography right or the, the geography in the plays matches like pretty much like where her family had been, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wasn't there also like a lot of like name connections? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like a lot of names within her family, like very closely relate to names within Shakespeare's plays. Yeah. Which is just interesting Um, i honestly when you proposed this topic i was like this will just be a fun one to be like haha maybe he was a woman but probably not but then after i read this article i was like i don't know like (laughs) there are some things that have to be explained and i don't feel like we're doing it complete justice but that's just because it was so truly so thorough i mean like you said there's literally a whole book of just the, the connections Um, yeah (laughs) of everything that happened there's so much and i mean like it could be one of those cases of like if you're looking for connections you'll find them you know because there are other i think there was another woman who was believed to possibly been there was a mary sydney Mm -hmm. who was the countess of pembroke and beloved sister of the poet philip sydney she was one of the most educated women of her time a translator and a poet and the doyen of the wilton circle a literary salon that was dedicated to like galvanizing english cultural renaissance so and then there's clues that show that her and her husband were patrons of one of the very first theater companies to perform shakespeare's plays Mm. so there is like her connection to Shakespeare and maybe perhaps that like using Shakespeare's name as camouflaged allowed her to publish what she really couldn't herself and I think if like Shakespeare would be a woman I think Mary Sidney is the one that's more commonly like accepted as a potential option rather than Amelia but Amelia has so many like little connections there that just make it very interesting Mm -hmm. I really loved this quote that was in at the end of the article that said could the play's many connections to Bassano be explained by simply assuming the playwright knew her well Hudson who was the author of the book said Shakespeare would have had to run to her every few minutes for a musical reference or an Italian pun so I mean (laughs) (laughs) I I, I thought that was a good I I'm like oh I have to copy and paste that one put that one in no i love that we're gonna take a quick break just to spotlight one of our new favorite women artists today i will be shouting out an artist that i originally found on tiktok but her instagram is also very cool it's just olivia jewel studio jewel is spelled g-u-u-l and she is a danish artist it looks like her yeah her instagram is just by the same name i found her via a like a process video kind of of how Mm. you know on tiktok those ones always do really well but she has just such a cool distinctive style what's also cool too is what she's done is like she has she had a certain tiktok i found that like went through her process from like 2016 2017 2018 and then jumped to 2022 and it was just like cool to like see that like the painting in 2016 was like one that like i mean it was good but like with enough time I probably could do something like that you know and I am Mm -hmm. not a good visual artist but then to now see like what she does now which is like so cool colors and like cool aesthetics and like such a very like obvious vibe you know what I mean just like such a distinct cool style um I think is like it's just so cool to like see to see that progression of her as an artist so these are way cool I know I I love it 
it's even like the styling of them i don't know where she is mm-hmm. but like she puts these really bright colorful paintings in like these super white and gray rooms yeah exactly <laughs> and it's actually so cool it's like even the photography for her page is amazing yes like i feel like that's almost like part of the magic here but mm-hmm. the way she, yeah just the way she displays them but yeah so go check her out i don't know if she ships internationally like the last instagram highlight i saw showed that she was like figuring out international shipping so maybe that's something that's coming soon yeah but I mean, that is a whole ordeal. So yeah, I, I can her. only imagine. Like, even me, like, sending stickers internationally mm-hmm. to people, I'm like, oh, everything just costs more money than you think it will. But, yep. Anyways, so yeah, go check her out again. That is just Olivia Jewel Music. Awesome. I mean, not music. Oh my gosh. Olivia Jewel <laughs> Studio. <laughs> oh, Olivia Jewel Studio. Obviously, my brain has been focusing yeah. on certain things lately. <laughs> I don't blame you. Okay, mine is Holly Storley. It's H-O-L-L-Y for Holly and then S-T-O-R-L-I-E for Storley. Okay. That's how you would say it. Mm -hmm. She's actually a gallery owner and director, which is amazing. More female gallery directors. Yeah. Always needed. And then she's an artist as well. And I am weirdly obsessed with her paintings of fish. Ooh, yes, I see it. Uh-huh. <laughs> just beautiful. <laughs> and she has quite a few of them, as well as a bunch of other animals. I, She's got owls, I frogs. I love the honey bear. <laughs> yeah, the little honey bear. Yes. It's cute. It's so and cute. So beautiful. They're like the perfect balance of really detailed and yet so impressionist as yeah. well. Like, mm-hmm. It's a really really cool art style and also like really colorful as well oh so, i just love it and she has a bunch she has like iguanas and parrots and frogs and dogs and all sorts of things and lots and lots of fish <laughs> yes lots of fish but you're right the fish mm-hmm. are beautiful they are they're really cool. Oh my gosh. I scrolled down further. She has like a bunch of ones of like eggs and salt and pepper shakers. And Ooh, uh, and they I, all look stunning. I love the pigs, but I just, I think pigs are so cute. They're underrated they are animals. They cute. I agree. But they're kind of Although, ugly, but in a way that's like kind of cute. Yeah. I mean, I met a pig once <laughs> at the county fair oh. and they're terrifying but like the little piglets that's what i w- definitely cute i really really want a pet teacup pig at some point in my life but mm-hmm. i've also heard that like even their existence is kind of inhumane because pigs aren't like meant to stay that small so the way they're bred isn't like very good for pigs so that kind of makes me sad but you know yeah one day i, I mean might... i wonder that about dogs though are they really supposed to be as tiny that's as kind dogs? of what i'm like but i mean if there's a pig that's already yeah. born like maybe i give it a nice home for a little while i've pretty much fully committed to having a full petting zoo in my backyard of bunnies and piglets <laughs> so it's fine get chickens they're not cute to pet but like fresh eggs cannot be beat that's true they just kind of freak me out but yeah, they are really freaky those beaks are just too pointy yeah well you don't get close to them you admire them from afar <laughs> nice chickens but anyway check out her stuff yes, she's got check prints it out. and originals it's obviously it inspired a very lively conversation so yep definitely go check her out <laughs> and of course like a check our following list on instagram mm-hmm. at any time we have so many incredible people we're following i love going on our page and just yeah. looking through a feed because we've got like painters and musicians and like all these wonderful pages. And I wish we could just shout out all of them every single week. Totally. So, but yeah, every yeah. single person we shout out here in our episodes, we, end we up, follow. Yeah, we follow them. So if you mm-hmm. ever want to just look for a great artist, look through all the people we're following. It's If it's not an artist, it's an amazing organization that is also highlighting women artists. So yes. Go check there. Definitely. Yep. Great. And feel free to send us any that you feel like we need to know about absolutely all right now back to the show i will say there's also like a really weird conspiracy theory that i think that has been completely disproven but the idea behind it was that queen victoria was oh yeah i've heard that (laughs) and obviously like it's a little bit too outlandish but i mean like she was a major patron of the theater yeah and she wouldn't have been allowed to write plays as 
the queen. <laughs> True. So if she could do it under the name of a close friend, maybe pay him for, you know. His I mean, that would kind of, of make name. sense that like, because she would have a lot of knowledge of the history and of how the courts work and things like that. Yep, of travel mm. and war and diplomacy and court and languages and music. Like it is, it is very fitting. <laughs> I, you know, I, I think that this is proof though that I am easily convinced. <laughs> like even just you saying that, I'm like, mm, yeah, it, it could probably be her. It's Queen Victoria for sure. <laughs> oh man, but yeah, I think like, the important part of this article is that not only is it bringing to light like a forgotten female artist, which we love, like yes. however many more times Amelia Bassano's name can get brought up is wonderful. But also like, I don't know, is it really that crazy to assume that some of the records we have aren't right? Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? mm-hmm. Like it happens all the time, misattribution or like just so many things that people assume and then they're like, oh wait, we were wrong you know like it's just not that crazy to believe that like we could have been wrong about who wrote Shakespeare's plays and I mean especially when it's from a long time ago when like you know records are obviously being kept and like they said for the time it seems that they actually did pretty good with keeping track of some things about Shakespeare but like you said it can't be that insane to believe not at all there actually was like five responses to Elizabeth Winkler article. And some of them are really awesome. (laughs) That's what I was like. The one that like Shakespeare wrote insightfully about women, that doesn't mean he was one. I was like, this is the most condescending. Yes. So the problem was in that article is he actually compared her to like a Holocaust doubter, like Mm. the people who don't believe the Holocaust was real. And he like compared contesting like the identity of Shakespeare to believing that the holocaust yeah. is a I, fake event the opening paragraphs of it is like, anyone who believes this is just a conspiracy theorist you know what i agree like co- there are conspiracy theorists who take things too far that's like what's the point but it seems that there's a lot of things that make it mm-hmm. almost just like confusing as to like huh but that's weird that there's like you said no original manuscripts there's yes. no evidence that he was a writer and it does seem like there could potentially be incentive for someone to have him pose as the writer, regardless of if it was a woman or not, you know, maybe it was someone in a different like class that it would yeah. be weird for them to do it. Or maybe he was exactly. just like an amazing businessman who knew who like they knew what he would have so much more, you know, better luck pitching these plays than they would themselves. Like, I, I don't agreed. know. I yeah, I agree. Yeah. That one I was just like, ew. Like, I didn't want to keep reading. I'm like, this person's being no. mean. <laughs> I like, I read the thing. It was short. But overall, he was he was really rude to the original author and just very mean about the whole idea of even questioning Shakespeare's identity. Like, it was the worst thing you could possibly do. Like, he even wrote that, like, saying that Shakespeare wrote so insightfully about women he must be one was comparative to saying that he must have been a murderer because he wrote about death. But, like, oh it was my gosh. it was a little too extreme for me. Yes. Um, because I think, you know, like, this isn't even really an official story. It's not like someone ever wrote down in a record. William Shakespeare from Stratford-upon-Avon wrote all of these plays and titled them all out. No one ever did that. Yeah. So there is no official story of who the actual author is. So to say that it's like defamation is a little (laughs) crazy (laughs) considering it's like a 15th, 16th century England. That's what I was just going to say. It's like at a certain point too, like it's been 400 years. And like (laughs) also the world knows it as Shakespeare. The whole world isn't going to blow up if suddenly it's changed. And also I feel like even if it was proven that Shakespeare did not write these things, they will still be referred to as Shakespeare's plays because of course that's what they've been for the last (laughs) centuries. Of course, like they even refer to that time period in England as Shakespearean England. Exactly. Because yeah, like I said, it's just so intrinsically involved in every part of our culture that we have today. Like he's not going away. Don't worry. No. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite one of the responses though is by a man named Mark Rylance. Yeah. He's a actor primarily a Shakespearean actor, actually. And I loved his because he wrote, keep questioning Shakespeare's identity. And he went into kind of about how he thought it was a little bit too 
mean for everyone to just attack Winkler for her article, <laughs> considering the fact that she's not the first person who's ever posed that question. So well, that's it's a what I was just intense. gonna say. I feel like, <laughs> you know, maybe she was the first one to so publicly be like, but maybe it was a woman. But yeah. people have been doubting it forever. Forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like she's not the first person who was like, maybe this random middle class guy who only has been recorded as an actor from the middle of England didn't write these yeah. <laughs> like anyway but he wrote about how like if we did not know how vincent van gogh learned to paint we might ask how such remarkably original paintings came into existence mm-hmm. which is true if we didn't know that mozart was exposed to music at an early age we might ask how such heavenly music came into existence if serena williams had arrived on an international tennis court with little or no evidence of her ever having swung a tennis racket we would be definitely asking how she was capable of her amazing swerve. In all of these examples, we do know how these events came to be. And still sometimes we ask, how did they do it? And then he just talks about how like, he's coming to the, you know, defense of Winkler in the Atlantic, even though he knows that he might be asking for attacks to come his way as well. But then he talks about his experience with Shakespeare and then just says, you may not like the way I act Shakespeare. Only McDonald's hopes everyone loves their burgers. I love that. But I can with all honesty say that being uncertain about how the works of Shakespeare were created and who was involved has in no way endangered, diminished, or restricted in any fashion my love, my understanding, or my ability to make a living playing Shakespeare. I I would argue on the contrary, that has opened my consciousness to a much wider awareness of the universal beauty and multicultural, multidimensional appreciation of the work of Shakespeare that exists in so many different people in so many different ways, even in Tolstoy who hated Shakespeare. And how wonderful is that? (laughs) I I love that because it's so true. It's like, if the work really is classic and stands the test of time. Like it's not tainted and ruined forever if perhaps Shakespeare didn't write it. Like it's not about yeah. the wonderful man Shakespeare was, which like reading the documents that we have of him, he sounds like quite the character. And but we don't even know that much about him. Exactly. <laughs> like it's about what the stories are and the fact that these stories have lasted this long and still are like so prevalent in our culture in Mm -hmm. such a variety of different ways you know in pop songs and movies and retellings of books you know just they're everywhere yeah even just Romeo and Juliet alone like you think of the cultural impact that that has had and it's just it's not even comprehensible Mm -hmm. so it's just I don't know it's one of those things where it's like it doesn't really matter yeah who William Shakespeare was as a person it matters like this body of work that we've been left behind and what it's done to the world, you yeah, know? Absolutely. And whether that was written by like a man, a woman, a different man that we know nothing about, <laughs> a different woman that we have no clue about, or an entire group of people, which is another theory yeah. that a whole group of people compiled it all together into, you know, Shakespeare's works. Yeah. Like it, at the end of the day, like I think kind of questioning that is important because then we're not relying on like history's record of everything, which I mean, I'm all for not relying (laughs) on Same. (laughs) If this podcast has proven anything, it's that history is not accurate. (laughs) Yeah. Like history books, question those. Very lacking. The winners definitely write the history books. So. (laughs) Yeah. And for most of history, the men wrote them. So, I mean, forgive me if I don't immediately go, maybe... Shakespeare had to have been a man, you know? Of course. (laughs) The three other articles that were written as a response, one was Shakespeare's plays had other authors too. That was by Mm -hmm. David Scott Caston. He teaches at Yale University and is the general editor for the art in Shakespeare. And he wrote about Shakespeare and the collaborators that already existed. Mm -hmm. Other ones that you mentioned earlier is the Hidden Women Writers of the Elizabethan Theater. I didn't get the chance to fully read that article, but like, I feel like I want to do a whole episode in the future just on that article. Yeah. It was great. I just kind of skimmed it, but she basically just talked about how, like, she doesn't know if she believes that Shakespeare actually was a woman. But the point is, is that there were so many women who went uncredited during that time period that, like, it's worth diving more into that time period and the people that were a part of it that were never credited for their work. Exactly. And then the last one is Shakespeare Life's story is mostly speculation, which we've talked Mm -hmm. about. That was by David Ellis and... He is the author, among other books, of The Truth About William Shakespeare, Fact, Fiction, and Modern Biography. And he writes about, like, just the difficulties facing Shakespeare's biographers and just the fact that, like, you know, it's, know a, it's a lot of him. it is speculation. And so, <laughs> yeah. like you said, to, like, perhaps 
mention or, you know, have the idea that maybe it's not exactly what we think isn't actually, you know, the worst thing that you could do. <laughs> it's not blasphemy. It's no. logical. Yes. Yeah. I remember in the podcast, there was one point where they argued that perhaps it's a little classist to assume mm. that someone without a high education, without, you know, everything else would be able to write works like this. And I think that's a fair point that like questioning his education and then being like, Oh, but he wasn't smart enough to do something like yeah. that. You know what I mean? But I feel like that's what happens a lot of times when people create arguments like, Oh, well, it couldn't have been a woman, yeah, you know, exactly. mm -hmm. where it's the exact same thing where it's like, Oh, well, they didn't have access to that. They weren't allowed to write plays. So yeah. of course they couldn't have done it. You know, I just, I think questions have never hurt anybody. True. <laughs> so. My one thought about like the whole, like, Oh, it's classist is like, I'm not saying that like, it's not possible for him to have become a great writer on his own, because I think with practice, anyone can be a good writer. Mm -hmm. Anyone can be good at anything if you just do it enough. And you yeah. don't have to be educated to have a pen and paper and just to practice. And maybe you have such a wild imagination. But mm -hmm. I do think you would have to show how he learned about all these different countries and the courts. You know what I mean? Like there's just so much accurate information that's like, but how how did you know that that was true? And yeah. he said maybe, maybe he was just an amazing writer who could just like really like put himself into people's characters and he just had a lot of friends that he asked you know like I could believe that um but I don't know <laughs> I don't know if I yeah, do I mean I don't know if I do he had no journals no early manuscripts he didn't have any books really thing, if that like, were there was the possession. proof that he had written and written a lot then I'd be like oh yeah, yeah. totally that's Shakespeare then but but like literally his first play that debuted under the name of like William Shakespeare or whatever that we have records was his was King Lear. And I mean, that's not really regarded as the bad Shakespeare play, you know, like <laughs> no. it's still good. <laughs> yeah. And it had a lot of historical like context and yeah. everything. So it just seems a little weird, like that that's the first one. You know what I mean? <laughs> mm -hmm. Like maybe if the first one was just like a nice story. I don't know. I was gonna say as you like it, but I feel like even as you like it, you have to have some pretty yeah, it might not have been King Lear. It might have been Richard the... Well, that doesn't help the argument at all. Yeah. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. It was one of his historical ones. Richard the Fifth, Sixth. Do you have a favorite Shakespeare play to just totally change the Ooh, subject? I don't like Romeo and Juliet. Oh, no. <laughs> Atrocious. <laughs> I think it's dramatic and tragic and sad. I really liked Macbeth. I think Macbeth is my favorite. Yeah, I think. Oh, I totally forgot to bring this up. Another case for Amelia Bassano. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, the first record we have of her actually like ever showing up in historical records at all is because of a doctor at the time that she was talking to. It was an astrologer, Dr. Simon Foreman. Okay. He was an astrologer and a cultist and an herbalist active in London during like queen elizabeth and all of that so during that time period okay and he is like the earliest known english medical practitioner who like kept a journal and she visited him so many times in the 1500 and 1597 for consultations incorporating astrological readings as well as like medical practices of the period mm -hmm. and it's believed because he was an occultist that maybe she was doing research for macbeth oh yeah because so much of the occult appears in Macbeth, in Macbeth with like with the witches witches and like the magic and everything like that that was very popular at the time so oh. just kind of interesting like it's believed maybe she could have been doing the research for, for Shakespeare, Shakespeare but also like it would have been a great way for her to get that on her own but here's the thing yeah. if she was doing so much of this research for Shakespeare and if she was such like a close conspirator like that alone gives her the credit because that explains of how he did a lot of what he did then you know mm -hmm. I know it's just it's interesting so yeah I really really love Macbeth um I love A Midsummer's Night's Dream oh yeah classic that one's great too I don't think I've read like as I haven't, many of them no I, I haven't like should've. read no no don't worry I mean it's kind of hard to <laughs> you know read through, they take a lot of effort <laughs> I remember seeing Hamlet live mm -hmm. and that was an incredible thing I'm pretty sure my 
like the next year, the first year I saw King Richard or something, or I don't know. Okay. I don't really love the historical ones. No, it was good, but I also fell asleep, you know? So Mm -hmm. I really want to see like a performance of Twelfth Night really bad. Yes. Just because, you know, like she's the man's based on it and everything. And I do love Taming of the Shrew. I've seen the musical and, you know, watched how to lose a guy in 10 days i definitely have some work to do if i want to read more of them well i was gonna say i mean you know i don't blame you if you're not one just to sit through sit down read my shakespeare yeah exactly i guess sadie what do you think you think shakespeare was a woman i have you know yeah i do i'm easily convinced Mm -hmm. at the very least (laughs) i don't think shakespeare was maybe written by shakespeare and like why couldn't it have been a woman granted i do have to go look at all the theories of the other men because I know there's like a girl that people are like "Eh, it could have been him so I think Mm -hmm. I have to like look at that evidence to see if it's more convincing than Amelia's evidence you know what I mean there is a very convincing one on the podcast and I think it might have been the Earl that's what I think is like maybe the most accepted one so I need to finish listening to that episode I will report back and see if do I think it's Amelia Bassano or do I think it is <laughs> that yeah. man. But I will say I feel like I'd have to learn more about Amelia Bassano, but True. I definitely don't think that the man we know as Shakespeare was like the primary author of all correct. of the plays. Well, I'm, I'm saying correct. Uh, yeah. It's not a fact, but <laughs> agreed. <laughs> I just don't think there's any way. But I don't know. Maybe I'm completely wrong. Maybe we're about to be attacked. I was just going to say, I think we have to be careful. I mean, we might get that horribly mean response article. Like, please, nobody come for us. Because oh, that my one gosh. Was so mean. I definitely know the Holocaust was real. Thank don't you very worry. much. Just we're not putting that out there. Conspiracy theorist. But I mean, this has. Yeah, yeah there's enough evidence to look into here. Maybe we should be looking a little closer at who penned the works Mm -hmm. of Shakespeare. Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you have Mm -hmm. a strong opinion on the matter, DM us on Instagram. Let us know. Yes. That Instagram page is morethanamuse.podcast. So Mm -hmm. go check us out. And if you've been listening for a while, maybe leave us a rating and review. You can do that either on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, and both are amazingly helpful. Yes, they are. And we'll be back next week with another episode about a forgotten and ignored female artist from history. There's way too many of them. So absolutely. (laughs) We're happy to have you join us every Monday, new episodes, and we'll talk to you then. Bye. Bye. (laughs)